0: This week on Dueling Review, it's Scooby-Doo Where Are You? number 107 from DC Comics. It's Friday night and Scooby and the gang are ready for some bowling at their favorite hangout. When the Skull Duggers' rampage clears the alley, Mystery Inc. stays behind to investigate. Can the gang flush out the culprit in time to spare the house? Or will the game be over for Coolsville's bowling alley? Scooby Doo, where are you? Is a question we've been asking since what, like sixty-seven or something like that. Sixty-nine, yeah. Yeah, so uh, been around in part of our lives for you know fifty years, Matthew.
1: That's true.
0: <laughs> and you know, we do get occasionally people will say, "Hey, can you review some kid, some comics that are aimed directly at kids?" And when we had Stacy writing for the site, he really wanted to dive in and covered a lot of the Scooby-Doo stuff on the site. And then uh, he got busy with things that he did and COVID and all that stuff. So he got too busy and and had to step away. So it's kind of nice for us to finally come in and review Scooby-Doo. Where are you? Number one Oh seven. Thanks to everyone who went over and voted this week over on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash major spoilers. And this is, I mean, I'm pretty sure every Scooby-Doo adventure is, Pretty much like what we read here in 107, uh, yeah, where, I mean, you know, they're going somewhere where they're going to the bowling alley. They're going to go see the Nebraska corn dogs play at the baseball field. And some scary monster shows up, whether it be the skull dugger or the baseball witch. And then they have to follow the clues. And uh, in the end, they solve the mystery. Now, there are two stories in one issue, which means these are not, um, you know, Full of hijinks like you may remember from the original Scooby-Doo um, television show, which I was I was hoping for maybe a little bit more hijinks, but we really didn't get that. We got two
1: 10 page stories and honestly, a lot of the stuff that we think of as Scooby-Doo hijinks probably wouldn't translate. No, I
0: mean, the that's...
1: Scooby-Doo doors thing mm-hmm. wouldn't translate The running with Davy Jones over a song wouldn't really translate.
0: Well, or even just the, you know, the, hey, we're going to build a trap uh, to catch the ghost or to catch the monster. Also, I don't think would work in here. So necessarily. What it boils down to is them actually using some investigations and clues, although the clues are maybe not as well defined as... As you might think, you know, it's like, hey, we found some some broom straw and some smoke canisters. That must mean something. Um, It's not like an
1: Hillary Queen.
0: No, 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 no. (laughs) Although I will say I did like what I liked about the 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 bowling alley um, story was that from the very beginning, they set up a lot of suspects. You got the yes. guy who's grumpy because he can't go on break all the time. You got the grumpy guy who's serving the snacks about how he's got to work all the time and would rather be someone else. Then you got the pro bowler who's complaining about something, uh, you know, and then so you have multiple suspects that as you're reading, it's like, oh, I bet it's that guy. Oh, I bet it's that guy. And then it's like, oh, no, it's the uh, it's the guy who is uh, got his white privilege showing in this issue, which I'm not sure that's something not that Galvanakis
1: they is who it is. yeah,
0: I'm not sure if this is something they intended to do. Because all of the other quote-unquote suspects in the issue are people of color. And so when it turns out that it's just this old white guy that's grumpy because the, the bowling alley is, is crowded, it's like, oh, yeah, this dude is definitely showing his white privilege and definitely uh, showing what, what, uh, what a jerk he is. And so yeah, then it makes perfect sense.
1: Normally, uh, I I, kind of go, well, I didn't see that necessarily, Stephen. And, you know, thanks for pointing it out. But I actually saw that here and I agree with you. Yeah. You know, the one thing about those old Hanna-Barbera cartoons was they tried to integrate the stories as much as possible. Uh And this one feels like they may have done themselves a disservice because You you really do have four suspects, Two of them are uh, black men and one of them seems to be a person of color who's a woman. And I'm like, yeah, um, I kind of I'm sitting here going, I hope it's Zach Galifianakis because otherwise (laughs) it's going to feel
0: weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that's when my initial one was like, oh, I bet it's about the guy who's complaining about his break. And then I was like secretly going, man, I sure hope it's not the guy complaining about his break. And then as soon as the bowler guy was complaining about not getting a lane, I was like, oh, this is the guy. And then it plays out so well. But, you know, they do drop. And that's one of the things that I think makes a good mystery, right? You have to point to several different suspects, which is not what happened in the second story. It's just like, oh, there's a spooky witch that has shown up and we must uh, solve the mystery so that Fred's favorite team, uh, baseball team, and uh, canonically, Fred's favorite baseball team now is the Nebraska Corn Dogs. Um, I just found that... That one lacking that one didn't have the mm, who's this suspect or who what's going on And the witch didn't chase people around or anything like that, at least in the skulldugger story. Uh, yeah. You know, the floating uh, bowling ball with the microphone in it, uh, you know, kept showing up and saying, you're doomed, doomed, doomed.
1: Yeah, it didn't really have the same uh, panache or joie de vivre or, you know, other French word. I feel like the thing about the bowling story that really sold me was not just the art the vibrancy and
0: craziness mm-hmm, of the
1: mm-hmm. art it was the endless bowling pun
0: yes i loved it let's I think let's, we're framed, let's make like these pins and split
1: let's let's take down this turkey and i'm just like this is so <laughs> much fun it's so over yeah. the top and so you know joyfully uh, 70s goofy yes I, I enjoyed really it feel that i enjoyed story. it but
0: apparently apparently someone in our chat did not Enjoy that. And I was looking to see if it was Omega Lazarus or if it was Olin. One of those two said, oh, the puns in this are the worst.
1: Uh, it sounds like Omega Lazarus.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, you know, t- typically I'm not a huge fan of uh, really bad puns, but these worked, I thought, in in this issue. So, uh, or at least in this particular story.
1: Yeah. And it, I mean, in a Scooby-Doo context they work wonderfully because Scooby-Doo was always full of that. You'd have those silly moments and you'd get to the end and it would be old man Wiggins mm-hmm. and he'd say something and everybody would make a joke about it. Shaggy would make a pun or Scooby would, you know, make a pun and, and you know, with a terrible speech impediment. And yeah. the second story isn't terrible. I mean, I don't dislike no, it, no, but no, it just no. wasn't as much fun. And it seemed like it focused more on the baseball Mm -hmm. and the investigation that Mm -hmm. it did on the silly Scooby-Doo hijinks.
0: Yeah, now I I think the problem with that mystery was it would have been nice at some point that they dropped a line about superstitious baseball players because when that turns out to be, oh, it was just superstition all along, and baseball players are the most superstitious and cowardly lot, uh, then it kind of felt like, what? This kind of felt like it came out of left field. Um, (laughs) And so I... I was Sports kind of. Dis- I think, yes, so I kind of was disappointed in that in that second story, but the first one was just so much fun.
1: I, I feel like it kind of worked for me. The things that I do like about that are the fact that it is actually Velma and Daphne who actively do the unwinding.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Velma and Daphne are the ones who actually go up and tie up the guy who's who's running the witch's equipment and take over. And it's really nice. And I like the fact that unlike the usual, girls split one way shaggy and scooby go the other way Mm -hmm. we did get the shaggy scooby fred breakup and of course that's because they were going in the men's locker room but even so i liked that i liked the way it kind of played with the formula and broke it up now i seem to remember that this book was written by sholly fish but this is not by sholly fish
0: yeah he was the one that that wrote it for the longest time I think he
1: was doing Scooby Doo team up too for a while. Yeah,
0: he was doing the definitely doing the team ups because when I was originally f- searching for this, I could have swore that his name popped up on yep. this issue. So uh, when I went in and was like, "Okay, which one did he write?" and I was kind of surprised not to see um, his name pop up. I was like, "Okay, well, s- somewhere along the way, there has been a change in in uh, in the creative team," which you know, again, nothing wrong with that. I, again, I thought both of the. Um, Uh, Both of the stories are fine. Just the second one is a lot more interesting. Mm -hmm. The art, you know, it's hard to change things up in art because these characters are ones that have to be on character. Yes. uh, All the time. They have to be on signs
1: that have to be on model or they're just not right.
0: Yeah. And so that means. That all of the other characters that you have in here have to kind of follow that kind of like the Archie model where everybody has to look like an archie character even if it is um you know Fred Savage showing up uh for for the uh for the surprise guest or whatever it is uh so that is you know that's that's all fine I think though when you're dealing with mystery Inc and this is again me growing up with the original scooby doo uh where are you show mm-hmm that you had a much darker color palette and both of these stories are very, very bright as far as their colors go, which is also somewhat surprising because I have yet to be in a bowling alley that is super well lit. You know, (laughs) most bowling alleys I've been to, especially ones recently, um, kind of have a little darkness going on. And so, well, this is, (laughs) yeah, so this is, this is a little, this is a little weird just to see so much, so many bright colors, in this issue. Now, again, it's it's targeted towards kids and right. you want uh, bright colors with kids because that's what kids uh, pay attention to. And that's all well and good. But I wanted a little I wanted this baseball game to be taking place at night because otherwise it would be obvious that you can see the uh, the the rope that the witch is the swinging wires. in on. Yeah.
1: Here's the thing. And don't get me wrong. I'm three months younger than you, but lies you are you are old <clears throat> And the reason that you're bothered by this is because you're old, because we saw, as children, the 25 episodes of Scooby-Doo, yes. Where Are You?
0: Yes, That's over and really over again. The
1: only show that has that real, mm-hmm. that darker, kind of spookier palette with you know the space kook and the, the yep. crazy evil guys who look bad. Yep. The later
0: versions of or the show
1: actually go just flat out. You know, you get to the point where it's 13th Ghost of Scooby-Doo and we're talking flat out, you know, hyper color 80s. Panel, mm-hmm,
0: like so. mm-hmm.
1: But I do I do agree with you on the second one specifically. My question was, uh, uh, first of all, did you realize that art was Cameron Stewart?
0: Yes, I and did, s- because that was the one that I was paying attention to. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That's Cameron Stewart.
1: Yep, And the second part was, yeah, how do you not see those wires in the middle of, you know, a day game? Even a night game above the field,
0: even a night game where you would have the field just lit up. You would be able to see that stuff. So I I don't know. Eh, And the artist, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. Here's the thing.
1: It's meant for children.
0: Well, yes, but I also also got a kick out of this. I enjoyed reading this. I would read another issue of Scooby-Doo. Where are you? if it had uh, good writing and good stories and good art like we see in this one. If you are looking and people ask all the time, oh, what's a comic book I should pick up for my kids? Because, you know, they're all so violent every day. Well, if they're okay with a uh, skeleton head in a bowling ball and uh, a witchy poo flying around a baseball field, I say this is a definitely pick up comic. I'd say not only for kids, but I say also for adults as well. This is and I'm pretty sure that There is probably not a generation who didn't watch some Scooby-Doo at some point in time growing up. And I think that this brings back good memories for everybody of any age who has watched Scooby-Doo, whether you watch them, uh, you know, on the afternoon uh, cartoon reruns, or if you watch them on the Saturday mornings, I think that Scooby-Doo Where Are You 107 is a really good book to pick up.
1: I would agree. I mean, the thing is, Scooby has been pretty much on the air in some form or another since 1969, the same amount of time as Sesame Street. Yeah. Scooby-Doo is a worldwide, you know, some say it's an a international credit card, but it is a worldwide phenomenon. And I feel like an adult who really gets into this can get as much out of these two stories as any child. I feel like, the, you know, the 10-page structure and the puns and sometimes the simplicity of the of the things are designed to make it accessible for children, but that doesn't make it not something that an adult can enjoy. So I definitely agree with you. In fact, I would be down to see more in the Scooby Doo genre. I'd be down for Laugh Olympics. I I, I would Didn't, be down would, for you know children's Scooby Doo.
0: Did they do something but, like that with the big Warner Brother DC crossover? Didn't they do a um, Laugh Olympics?
1: I don't think they did. They did wacky races.
0: Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of is wacky races. Which is something different. Yeah, yeah, The Laugh yeah.
1: Olympics is a little more difficult because... Yeah, because you have to have a frame some, of
0: reference for the uh, ABC uh, All-Star Games or whatever they were called.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, that was from 76, so it would have been tied to the Olympics. Uh, maybe, yeah. Um, but even so, the Laugh Olympics had... Uh, there are still some likeness rights involved in there. Or some, do we even own these characters anymore stuff. So... You know, I feel like uh, Classic Laugh Olympics might not play in 2020, but something like that certainly would. And, you know, if they really are leaning this heavily into, if you saw Scoob, the Hanna-Barbera shared universe.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you could do it. I mean, Ken Jeong is dino
0: I mean, they, they I think that the, the crossover that they had recently was fine. The Hanna-Barbera crossover thing with the. Uh, um, I mean, Dr. Lawyer Bird and Ghost Man from Spaced Ghost and Johnny Quest. Yeah, that old stuff worked was uh, fine, yeah, I thought.
1: Yeah, the future Quest stuff was good. So naturally, they've given up on it.
0: And well, that's uh, No, it works so well. It works so well that they're like, we got to make this a main event over at DC Comics. We're going to call it Future State. Otherwise, people will know that we're just stealing from ourselves.
1: Are you high?
0: Maybe. Is that what this is? It okay. is 818 on the PM, and we are talking live with our good friends, over in our Discord server, in our Dueling Review Discord server. Now, here's the thing. All the cool people that are hanging out, like Mark Smith and Marshall, who's actually here this week, Olin Omega Lazarus and Ingrid, um, you know, these people uh, have access to us recording the show live. And so they got to hear us talk pre-show about the death of Beauvet Fett. And uh, what else were we talking about before show?
1: Uh, I think I was complaining about my
0: birthday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Birthday, all that stuff. They got to hear all of that discussion because we turn turn it on a couple of minutes before we start uh, doing the show. and We talk about things that are going on in the world. My lack of being able to find an ad in Instagram that I was looking for earlier. Uh, so they get a bunch of extra stuff uh, because they're patrons over at patreon.com slash major spoilers. And so they get access to this secret area of our discord. And if you're listening and you are a patron, At the silver level or higher, if you have not unlocked your secret discord rewards, do that because there's a whole other world uh, just below the surface of our main server where you can where you can come in and talk to people. I mean, if you're just if you really want to know, uh, talk to people about critical hit uh, a week ahead of time, then there's a secret channel for that. There is a VIP live chat. There is a GM roundtable and so much more on our discord server. Uh, and, when you sign oh, up you at patreon.com slash major spoilers, say an so. sometimes, sometimes I will. Yes, definitely.
1: And you get to hear me singing by falsetto, which is rare. Yeah. Normally I sing in my beautiful sort of
0: uh-huh.
1: mid range.
0: Yeah. Stuff. Uh, so what else happens when you become a patron over at patreon.com slash major spoilers, Matthew? Ah,
1: uh, well you get access not only to those hidden channels, but you get access to exclusive content at our Patreon page and, and, and. Let's say you go to that Patreon page. Yes. Let's say you say next week's uh, Dueling Review is Uh coming around. Yes. It's, you know, it's between Thursday and Sunday and I need to go there. You can vote. You can help us decide. You can program the Dueling Review. You, yourself, all your friends, wake the kids, phone the neighbors, send them to patreon.com and you can vote on what we see next week.
0: That is correct. Uh, So the post is already up there. Some people have already started to vote. I think uh, Giant Size Conan or something is... uh, Uh, On the list already. We didn't hit our goal last week, but we're going to try it again this week. Let's see if we can hit. um, We hit uh, almost 30 people voting this last week. Let's see if we can hit 40 next week. And maybe you'll get over there to patreon.com slash major spoilers to vote. And maybe you will vote on from uh, Boom Studios, uh, Dune House Atreides number three, uh, Firefly, Firefly Blue Sun Rising number one, or Unkindness of Ravens number four, the final issue of that series. Dark Horse Comics next week only has uh, two comics uh, out. Assassin's Creed Valhalla Song of Glory number three and You Look Like Death Tales from the Umbrella Academy number four. Mars Attacks uh, Red Sonia number five comes out from Dynamite Entertainment, as does The Vengeance of Vampirilla number 13. I think we're going to see a lower number of books next week, mainly because of the Christmas holiday. Although that's the best time to get your books out because people are going to have time to read.
1: Is it a fifth week? No,
0: it's a fourth. No, week. that no 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 not uh, not yet uh, because um, um, the it is a there are five weeks in this month, but next week is the fourth week. Got it. Unfortunately, we won't be here on the fifth week because we are recording Critical Hit on the thirtieth, and New Year's Eve is on the thirty-first. So we won't be doing a dueling review the week of the thirtieth, but uh, next week. We will, and you can continue to pick from uh, things like Sleeping Beauty's number four or Sonic the Hedgehog Bad Guy's number four over at IDW Publishing. Image Comics next week has Gideon Falls number 27, Ice Cream Man number 22. I wonder if they'll do a holiday-themed one uh, for you, Matthew. Make you fear about the holidays.
1: Ice cream.
0: Scumbag number three and Spawn 313 arrive next week. Over at Marvel Comics, we've got King in Black number two, King Size Conan, number one, Maestro, number five, and Spider Woman, number seven. Oh, also, U.S. Agent, number two. I know Matthew's a big fan of that one.
1: I actually enjoyed U.S. Agent, number one.
0: In all the rest category, we have Belladonna, number one. We have Cinderella Bloody Xmas Annual 2020. We've got uh, Crossed Family Values, number seven, Red Crossed. Uh, we also have God is Dead. Uh, there's a, I guess they're re-releasing the entire series of that, so one through forty-eight. Uh, also there's the picture of everything wow. yeah there's the picture of everything else number one which we have a preview I guess uh, the preview is scheduled for next week but I've taken a look at that one that uh, looks interesting a little bit of horror mixed in there uh, Rick and Morty Ever After number three that's the uh, fairy tale version of Rick and Morty and then also Vamp Blade season four number 11 uh, comes next week you may be saying Stephen what about DC Comics oh don't worry I, I haven't forgotten about DC Comics Action Comics number 1028 Arrives next week as does Batman Beyond number fifty, Batman White Knight Harley Quinn number three, Detective Comics ten thirty three, Justice League Dark twenty nine, and Wonder Woman seven sixty nine. What one will we review? That's up to you, dear listener. Remember, we need to get uh, we need to get some uh, more votes and more uh, audience participation, or this show goes away. Goes away. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to Patreon.com slash MajorSpoilers. As little as a dollar a month can help us out and keep us from firing Matthew in 2021. We'll be back next week to review your comic, and you'll also be able to hear Matthew say...
1: Nights in White Satin." Never
0: This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.